The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Hosea chapter 11. Hosea chapter 11, and we'll be looking at the first nine verses in this book. Um, one week from today, VBS, so encourage you to think about that. If you haven't signed up to volunteer, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. If you haven't signed up your, your children, then there's a sign-up sheet for that, too. We'd like to get as many pre-registered as we can, and please, please help spread the word. Um, tell your friends and neighbors and family members about VBS. If you're on Facebook, there's a, a nice little video that you can share on Facebook. And so that's a, a great way to do it as well. Hosea chapter 11, we'll begin in verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And the more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals. And offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who took Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities, it consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeboiim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. This last week, Dylan turned 11 months old, and he's now mobile. You know, he's crawling. But he's doing more than that. He's standing on his own, and he's starting to walk. He'll take like a step on his own, but that's it. You know, each day we stand him up, and we we take a few steps back, and we say, come on, Dylan, walk. And usually what he does is he just lunges at us, knowing that we will catch him. He's still working up that courage to do it on his own. Often what we do is we just simply stick out our finger and we just lead him around the house. And that's an interesting practice if you think about it because we're not offering him that much support. He's basically walking on his own, but there's something about holding on to a parent's finger that gives a child the confidence to go wherever he or she wants to go. And as Dylan learns to walk... Laura and I are never far away. We're there to pick him up when he falls. And when he's upset, we hug him and let him know that everything's okay. And this is just what parents do. 
They give themselves to their children. They make sacrifices. You cannot be a good parent and be selfish. You cannot be a good parent and lack compassion. The basis for all good parenting is a love for the other. This is why we do what we do. It's why we get up in the middle of the night. It's why we choose to fill our evenings with softball games, basketball games, and soccer matches. It is why we give up freedoms we once enjoyed and devote ourselves to someone else. We make sacrifices because of a deep love within us, a love that cannot be explained. It just happens. Just think about that moment when your child was born. When we first hold our child in our arms, we love them beyond measure. Why? You know, we've never met them before. They've not done anything to earn our love. We have no idea what kind of person they will turn out to be. And yet we love them with all our heart. Because this is the heart of a parent and this is also the heart of God. Listen to the words of God our Father in this text. When Israel was a child, I loved him. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. When we think of God being a loving father, we probably think of passages from the New Testament. We think of Jesus calling God Abba or praying our father who art in heaven. We may think of that story of the prodigal son and the father who lifts his robes and runs to greet his wayward son. God is a loving Father, but this is not an image or a concept that begins in the New Testament. God has always been a loving Father. He's always cared for and loved His children, and we see this in the book of Hosea. And so for the last two months, we have explored uh, text within this book. It is an emotional book. It begins with this incredible story about a prophet who is called by God to marry a prostitute. And this is strange. There's not another story like it in the Bible. And it seems like something that God would not do. But he does it to make a point. God's relationship to Israel is like that of Hosea's relationship to his wife. God has bound himself to adulterous Israel. And even though they have turned their backs on him, he has not turned his back on them. And after Hosea marries Gomer, she does not remain faithful. She once again returns to a life of prostitution. And surely this is the end of the relationship. Surely that's it, but it's not. God then instructs Hosea to pursue Gomer. And he says it's Hosea's responsibility to woo her back. And he tells him to buy her out of prostitution. To pay the price and redeem the woman that you married. 
God's relationship with Israel has its ups and downs. When it comes to Israel, there are more downs than there are ups. God frees Israel from Egyptian bondage, and they complain. He provides them with a set of rules that will bless them and will guide them. But before Moses can get down the mountain, they are worshiping a golden calf. And this is just the beginning. The history of Israel does not improve with time. They continue to disobey. They continue to worship idols. But God never leaves them. He never abandons them. He continues to care for them. And he continues to look after his children. There are many emotions within the first nine verses of Hosea 11. God begins with his side of the story. He is a father who has raised his children right. He has cared for them. He has loved them. He has nurtured them. He has been there to support them. But Israel does not love God in return. They have gone after other gods. They continue to sacrifice to idols. They have not been faithful. And this is an issue that hasn't crept up recently. It's not something that has lasted for a few years and that's it. This has gone on for hundreds of years. And yet God is still there right by their side. He is long-suffering. He is patient. He is a faithful spouse who is not willing to give up. He is a loving parent who does not want to abandon his children. And this is what God is wrestling with. He's contemplating what to do. And Hosea 11 is this incredible chapter that gives us a glimpse into the mind of God. Israel deserves to be punished. They have done wrong. There is no question about this. They have not kept their part of the covenant. Therefore, God does not have to honor his part of the covenant any longer. If that's what he wants to do. He's torn. He is perplexed. He's trying to decide what to do in this chapter. And the worst thing that God could do is nothing. And this is often God's way of punishing people. He does nothing. He leaves people to their own devices. He lets them choose their own way. And eventually this leads to destruction or misery. And so the question that God is wrestling with is this. Should he sit back and do nothing? Should he abandon Israel and allow history to take its course? At the beginning of verse 8, God asks himself four questions. He has gone back and forth. He has presented both sides. Israel is his child. He has raised Israel. He has devoted years of sacrifice to train and to nurture Israel. He loves Israel with all his heart. And yet Israel has not been faithful. Israel has not turned out as God hoped she would turn out. And because Israel has not obeyed God, she has gotten herself into a big mess. It's a big political mess. What will God do? Will he abandon Israel and let her go her own way? Or will he once again step in and rescue her? And these are the questions that he's wrestling with at the beginning of verse 8. 
He says to himself, how can I give you up Ephraim? It's another word for Israel, another name for Israel. How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeboiim? And there's a tension in Hosea 11. It is a tension that runs throughout the entire book. The, the book opens with this incredible story of God's grace. But from there, it goes back and forth between oracles of judgment and messages of grace. What will God do? Will God be just and give them what they deserve? Or will he be gracious and rescue them once again? Well, following these four questions, God makes this statement. My heart recoils within me. God cannot even stand to think about it. The questioning is too much. His heart recoils at the thought of turning his back on Israel. He will not consider it anymore. And so God has reached his conclusion. The matter is settled. And here's what he says. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not a man. The Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. And this is the God we serve. He is better than we ever imagined. He is more good, more loving, more compassionate, and more merciful than we once believed. He is a faithful spouse, but he's better than any earthly spouse that has ever walked this earth. He is a loving father, but he is more compassionate than any earthly father that we have ever known. He is all good, and he is good all the time. The book of Hosea is a book about God's radical grace. It is a book about how God's grace is extended to people who do not deserve it, who have not earned it. And now that we know who God is, and now that we know how he acts in this world, what does this mean for us? Does it mean that we can continue in sin knowing that God's grace will take care of it? Well, a few hundred years after Hosea was written, the Apostle Paul penned a letter also about God's radical grace. And he asked this very question, Romans 6 and verse 1, Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? And when we preach grace correctly, these are the kinds of questions that people will ask. It is such good news that people cannot believe it. This is why we call it amazing grace. Of course, the answer to that question is no. No, we should not continue in sin. This good news should cause us to change our lives. It should encourage us to turn things around and to leave sin behind. God has been good to us. So now we should strive to be good in return. We should imitate our Father. We should strive to be like Him in every way. The Christian life should begin with a healthy understanding of God. And this is what the book of Hosea presents us. 
It reveals God to us. It allows us to peek inside the mind of God just for a moment. And we see his emotions. We see how he is saddened by our sin. We see how he is hurt by our transgressions. But we also see how he loves us. A lot of people go around with wrong ideas about God. And these ideas can make it difficult to be a Christian. When we hold on to bad ideas about God, it makes it difficult to reach out to others because somehow we have misunderstood God and we are presenting a distorted picture of who God is. And one of the misunderstandings about God that people sometimes hold relates to His faithfulness. They think God is a God who walks away easily. They think God is ready to give up on them as soon as they do something wrong. And they go through this life unsure of their salvation because they have made God out to be as unfaithful as they are. The book of Hosea lets us know that this is a lie. It is not so. God is not unfaithful. He is not ready to give up on us. He sticks with Israel for hundreds of years, even though they continue in their sin and they worship idols. But He will not give up on them. And He will not give up on us either. We are His children. We are His beloved. His compassion grows warm and tender. And He will always remain faithful. We can turn our back on God, but He will never turn His back on us. And I hope you believe that. I hope you put your trust in the one who is trustworthy. He is the Holy One. He is set apart from all other creatures. He is set apart from all other deities. And yet, He is in our midst. The church is not perfect, just as Israel was not perfect. And yet God is here. We don't know how that is, but that's the truth. That's what we're told. The church is his temple, and he abides in us. And so as we go back in the world, may we remember where God lives And may we strive to live lives that are worthy of the God who resides in us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you for an opportunity to be still and to reflect on who you are. We know that our minds cannot fully comprehend all there is to know about you. But we're thankful for what you have revealed. We're thankful for books like Hosea that allow us to, for a brief moment, see inside your thoughts and in your mind. And we're amazed. We're sorry that sometimes we hurt you. We're sorry that sometimes we make you sad, that we do not live up 
to the standard that we should live up to. And we promise to seek to be better. But at the same time, Father, we're amazed at your mercy and your grace and your love for us. And even this is something we cannot fully comprehend, how we're loved so perfectly, so purely. It's a love like we've never experienced before. And we're thankful that you have chosen us, your body, to be your home and your dwelling place. May we go out into this world and not allow people to see us, but allow people to see you living in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.